My experience with Lee Brubaker goes back quite a few years. About 47, I think it is. And my experience with the Ryder family goes back not quite as long, but almost 42 years or so ago when I went to what was then London Baptist Bible College. And Glenn Ryder was one of my profs. He uh, did his best to instill a little knowledge of Greek in me and uh, with some difficulty. But I'll never forget, Brother Glenn, your teaching of the Book of Romans. And that was one of the greatest experiences of my life uh, sitting under your leadership and teaching and ministry. And Cheryl Camelin came in along the way. What an honor it is for me to speak to you here today, this great assembly of God's people, as you celebrate uh, Lee and Cheryl and their ministry here for 21 years. And all of those 21 years, we have been coming back here regularly, on occasion, not nearly as often as I would have liked to have, uh, my beloved and me, but whenever we've come, it has been such a thrill to be here and to experience worship with you and to watch how God has led in the growth of this ministry just in the few years that I have been uh, connected, we have been connected with it. As I was pondering what to say, typical introduction to a sermon like this, um, it's, there's an interesting convergence this past year West Highland celebrated your 50th wedding. 50th wedding. Ha! That's where I'm going to get to. 50th anniversary as a church, and, uh, which means this church was founded in 1972. And then as I read your history, I discovered that your first pastor, uh, Brian and Linda Baxter, they celebrated their 50th anniversary this year. And guess what? Zell and I celebrated our 50th anniversary this past year. So whether that's a coincidence or not, I don't know. It just happened, but it has led me to say this. Uh, Lee so beautifully edited and helped uh, produce uh, our little history that we wrote for our anniversary, a little family story celebrating our anniversary. And as we came to the end of it, I was just so overwhelmed with God's grace, just exactly like this, the last song we just sang, God is so, so good. All the, the, our lives you have been faithful. How, what, what verse would express that in Psalm 16, the key text that, has come before, that will come before us this morning, came to mind and I concluded our little anniversary celebration booklet with this text. Psalm 16, 5 and 6, The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Say that last line with me. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance and that is the story of West Highland. That is our story. That is your story, Lee and Cheryl. And we're going to celebrate that for a few minutes right now. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 16 with me, please. I will seek to, uh, in brief, uh, expound what the Lord has to say in this great psalm and uh, come together with you in rejoicing and to address the challenges that we all face as life continues on. 
Verse one, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my lot. I have no good apart from you. The context of this psalm, just a, a word or two about that. It's called a michtam of David. Nobody knows what that, what that is. Lee maybe does, but I don't. It's, it's a superscription of, of some kind, maybe a musical term. Uh, I remember being taught that it could be um, a wisdom indi- indicator, that there's some wisdom thing needs to be learned here. That sounds good to me, but we are not told. Nor are we told anything about the context in terms of history. What was David going through when he wrote this? It could be early in his career, much more likely, I think, late as he's summarizing his life and experience with God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Notice how the psalm begins with a confession against a backdrop of trouble about which we know nothing. Preserve me, O God. For in you I take refuge. What he asks for is preservation. I like the NIV which says, keep me safe. Who doesn't need that? Some of you are feeling that way today as your ministry slice is changing with Lee and Cheryl's departure soon. Keep me safe, Lord. Many of us, especially as we get older, are experiencing transformation and change in our life, the ebbing of things and strength. Keep me safe, O oh God. Keep me safe. Who knows what you might be going through today? But it's a confession of faith against the backdrop of trouble. Because there's no particular description, it's useful to all of us at any time applicable in our lives. He asks for preservation. That's what he asks, but where does he stand? And this was the theme of that song leading into this hour of ministry now. I say to the Lord, verse 2, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Interesting, there are three different terms for God in these first two verses. First of all, God, El, the strong one, And then I say to the Lord, that's Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, the eternal one, you are my Adonai. David has it all covered at the beginning of this psalm. God, in all his multifaceted description, the Lord is the, and then from then on, it's the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh all the way through. That's one of David's main themes, wherever he goes, whenever he's, And he gives us about 75 psalms. For example, Psalm 36, 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of man take refuge under the shadow of your wings. That's verses 1 and 2. And then from then on, it's a psalm of delight. It's a song of joy. Verse 3 through 11. And you will find with me as we explore the rest of this psalm that David finds delight in three locations, in three things that are important to all of God's people. Here is number one. David delights in the Lord's people, verse three and four, and I feel it here in this place today. John, isn't it fantastic? And Andrea, 
just that sense of delight in the people of God. Lee and Cheryl. And that's what David says. I'm just thrilled when I think of God's people. Do you sense that here today, this gathering of people here? When you come to church on the Lord's Day, when when you're together at some other occasion, just so glad to be with God's people. They're the best. (laughs) I love the way he describes it. The saints in the land. Verse 3. The saints in the land. That's God's people, saints, living in obedience to the covenant in the land under his blessing. And as king, David, the king of Israel, the saints in the land are emblematic of God's blessing upon his people and upon David's ministry as king. Did you know that an empty kingdom is of no delight whatsoever? Empty streets, empty towns, empty farms, empty houses, empty shops, empty schools, empty temples, all meaningless if there's no people in them. It's like an empty house, isn't it? What's that mean? It's it's like having a church service and nobody showing up. What? Happy citizens, happy king. It's the people that matter, their well-being, their prosperity, their happiness. And that is a huge part of the motivation of the ministry that you've given and empowered Lee and Cheryl to share with you here these 21 years. As they lead in worship and you worship together, there's a a happiness quotient, a delight. I compare that with um, what's been going on in Ukraine all these months. I I just wonder what goes through Putin's mind when he he thinks of devastating a place like Ukraine, bomb the daylights out of the place and turn it into rack and ruin and kill people. Where is their pleasure going to come out of that? Where, Where is there going to be any delight in that? It just shows a totally different mindset of godlessness and only a perverse, I wrote this, only a sinfully perverse mind could think that anything satisfying would come of that. God's delight is our delight. It's people, not stuff. Dwelling in the land, not just physical bodies, but happy hearts, their prosperity and happiness evidences God's blessing on David's reign. He, he uses the word, they are the excellent ones. That's in the ESV. It brings anticipation of joy in the future. In their excellence is all my delight. People matter more than things. David's delight in God's people. Contrast this in verse 4 just to say, I won't go there other than to say that it's such an incredible contrast. And Those who would walk with the Lord at the end of the day in the deepest sense will not have deep affinity with those who don't. Those who run after other gods. David says, I, they're not part of my life quotient. They're not part of where I'm going. And if you want to find the rest of what that's about, just read Psalm 15, the previous psalm. It's all there. Who will ascend into the, the hill of the Lord? The, those who are people of integrity and godlessness and the rest are left aside. David delights in the Lord's people. Secondly, David delights in the Lord's providence. Spend just a moment or two here. Verse 5 through verse 10. And that leads to the key text in verse 6. Right in the middle of the psalm, that may be significant, 
poetically. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Inheritance is really our key word in the psalm today, inheritance. Inheritance is what God has supplied in the past, has a present component and a future component as well. I looked it up in the dictionary, and it simply says that inheritance is what kids inherit, get, get from mom and dad, what's passed down to them. The word heir is the key. Might be money, might be prosperity, might be status. And believers have another kind of inheritance as well, one which is far more important, and that, in fact, is David's focus here. As it says on the screen, according to David, inheritance is what he, first of all, celebrated from the past. The word portion, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Two very interesting words here. The Lord's providence manifested to David three things. The portion, verse 5a, the extent of the land, the cities, the towns, the people the necessities sustaining him, that's the word cup, typical of nourishment, that which sustains life, that which loaded his dining room table, the farms, the crops, the herds, the bread, the wine, and thirdly, the protection securing him, you hold my lot. Security, his army, his mighty men, you see it all listed in 1 Samuel 17, 45, how, and also in Chronicles, pardon me, David experienced that and gives testimony of it in 1 Samuel 17, 45, when he faced Goliath. You remember that story? Goliath going, who's this kid? And he says, you come to me with the power of a javelin and a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Yahweh Almighty, the Lord of hosts. That's reflected here. Protection. His unshakable faith in the God of Israel. So looking back, David learned that his real delight is not found in the stuff he accumulated, but in the Lord himself. And the ESV really reflects that more than the NIV in its translation. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. So that's the very central locus of David's delight in his past inheritance. It all points back to God. Psalm 23 reflects that so beautifully. The Lord is my shepherd, the Almighty who has given me security in the ebb and flow of life, the I am, the self-existent one, the faithful covenant keeper. I look back over life and I say, you are so faithful. You have been so faithful. And today we look back to the past inheritance that brings us to this day. And I wrote a couple of thoughts down. My Brubaker inheritance, Lee's Brubaker inheritance. Spiritually, my parents came out of the old order Mennonite tradition in the Elmira area. They came to saving faith in Christ through the faithful witness of evangelists, of brethren evangelists, going farm to farm, door to door in that area, and they faced great opposition. 
including my grandfather, Brubaker, who was outraged when my dad's oldest brother came to faith in Christ, just threw him out of the house. But they were saved, both my parents, about 1938, and baptized as teenagers by immersion, and that was huge. And from that background came an interest of music. My dad went to a Mennonite singing school. Didn't do him much good. (laughs) His ear was uh, not like his grandson's. Mom sang around the home all the time, just quietly, her own way. She could carry a tune very well. She's almost 99 now, and when we go visit Mom in Strathroy, she'll say, I just can't sing anymore. Oh, my voice is so croaky. Someday in heaven, you'll be able to sing, Mom. Our home was filled with Christian music. As far as my dad was concerned, it was the only kind worth listening to. I remember so well in about 1962 when we moved to Galt. WDCX Buffalo started about that very year. 99.5 on the FM dial. And dad went out and bought a great big component, not component, cabinet stereo. So I remember it cost $400. I think dad was making about $75 a week. $400. Just so that we could listen to WDCX. And we did. That was it. That was what was on. And uh, they provided music lessons. Mom and dad did. They encouraged us all to participate in music. Most of us did. A lot of music and my siblings side of things, and serving the Lord. The whole point was to serve the Lord with it. Zella's background was in the Plymouth Brethren where worship was entirely vocal and she learned to sing parts and still can sing. By the way, so nice to have Zella's sister Mary here tonight, to this morning. Thank you for coming, Mary. And to sing together and, and learning parts. And Her dad got his ARCT in music, was an excellent pianist, never did anything with it, but Zala was blessed by listening to her dad play the piano late at night, and she would snuggle into bed just listening to that piano music. It's a heritage. Her background in church life and ours, both of our sets of parents doing their best to set our feet on a track for God and And so our sons were raised in a similar environment, musically and spiritually. We didn't have a TV until the 90s. Our home was filled with gospel music. Gaither stuff, (laughs) mostly. Quartets, the Imperials, my kind of music. I've broadened a little bit. Lee's helped me with that. I remember Lee excelling through elementary and high school, becoming first trumpet in the honor band and then on to Heritage College and seminary, pursuing music degrees and in God's providence. At the end of the first week, am I right, Cheryl? He brought you to our house and introduced her, and we're going, wow. And we find out then that Cheryl is a top-notch pianist with a heart for God. From that day, their hearts were knit together. I'm talking inheritance. I'm talking heritage. I'm talking what God does in his providence when he brings people together and his finger is upon it. 
I can't say too much about the rider heritage. Sorry, Glenn and Bonnie, but here's what I know. I know that their home was filled with music and filled with God, and he was central, and the word of God was absolutely crucially important, and the evidence is this much at least. There's Cheryl and her older, younger brother Tim, no, older brother Tim, who's been a worship leader for years and his family serving the Lord down there in Las Vegas. Something of the heritage is right and before God fantastic, and we celebrate it with you today. We would say with David, indeed, we have a beautiful inheritance. That's past. David also celebrated the, the present, and that seems more the focus in verse 6. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. Lines is like portion in verse 5. It's a surveyor's term, measuring out the, the property dimensions like Joshua did when he allotted the tribal territorial uh, locations, turf. So we look around, David says, look around at what I have now. Look, look what God has done. And here's when we come to 1 Chronicles chapters 15 through 28, and we find David listing what God has, and it's his heritage now, a prosperous kingdom filled with happy citizens. David's sons promising a dynasty to secure the future. A well-organized army, administration. The ark in its abode at Jerusalem, center of worship there. God lifted up his renowned broadcast far and wide. The Psalms are being composed. They're being sung. They're being prayed. There's a stabilizing theology in those Psalms. And also a practical application the spiritual walk of God's people. Organized worship with musicians, leaders, choirs, orchestra, stability, security, flourishing of like life and worship. And it sounds a lot like what you have here at West Highland right now. An awful lot like it. This wonderful church, West Highland Baptist, the spirit-led worship arts ministry, Lee and Cheryl and family, this is where it is now. We have a good inheritance here. Thanks be to God. But David also had a future in mind, the last few verses, verse 7 through 10. Great rejoicing, verse 9. There are three stellar verses in this psalm. Verse 3, verse 9, and verse, 11, well, verse 4, actually, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11. Great rejoicing. My whole heart is glad. Heart, ESV, being, whole being. Did you know that the Hebrew word is kidneys? And uh, for uh, people of a certain age, when their kidneys take counsel with their bladder in the middle of the night, there's some action going on. <laughs> Hope that wasn't too edgy. <laughs> but that's the sense of what's going on here. My whole heart, as it's dialoguing with God and his goodness, fills me with delight, fills me with joy. Great rejoicing. Verse 8, the Lord's presence at my right hand. Verse 9, the Lord's keeping. I will not be abandoned. Verse 10, verse 10, I will not be abandoned. That's great rejoicing. 
But what's interesting to me, folks, is there is also a sense of great testing here. It's implied here, but it's set up in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And I, I just met it. I've been thinking about this a little bit in preparation for today, knowing that there will be many sad hearts here today. Preserve me, Lord. Keep me safe. Why? Because nothing is ever permanent and settled in life. Not here. People are born, they live, they die. Children arrive in a family, they grow up, they get married, they move on, they have children of their own. Friends move away, our hearts ache. Some broken things can be mended, but a lot of them can't be until glory. People come and go in churches. So do pastors, so do ministry leaders. And I feel that keenly because I'm going through the process toward retirement myself right now at our little church. And there's hurt, there's struggle, there's uncertainty. And, and, and it's hard to just do what David is, is doing, rejoicing in the Lord's counsel, in the Lord's presence, and in the Lord's keeping, and to keep doing that when uncertainty faces us. The anniversary story of West Highland contains elements of the kinds of things I'm speaking of here. What a gifted. I was so blessed by your anniversary booklet story. Some of the folks I know. What a gifted, godly people in leadership. What additions to the family of God by evangelism and baptism and teaching apostolic doctrine and investment of ministry life. For 21 years, Lee's family have been a vital part of this living body. And I want to say this. Thank you for your investment in my family. You have done well to see the kids here in the Lord serving God together on behalf of Glenn and Bonnie, we just want to express to you how deeply thankful we are for the partnership you have shared with our kids and our grandchildren, which has made this long, beautiful ministry possible because of your love and kindness. Our second generation have gained a good, godly inheritance. Thank you. But now comes some dramatic change, doesn't it? Almost all good things come to an end. But in, when we have Christ, it's not quite the same, is it? Because we still have that beautiful inheritance. Past, present. Based on that, David reminds us of his confidence for the future. I shall not be rudderless, verse 7, I shall not be abandoned, verse 9, verse 10. And then he leaves us with this third delight. David delights in the Lord's pleasure, verse 11. Therefore, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Warren Wearsby said, do you want life and joy? Here's the wrap-up of the whole psalm. Here's the secret. Live on God's path. You can circle these in your Bible, you know. 
Live on God's path, live in his presence, and live for his pleasures. Yeah. Path, looking back along God's leading to, the, to today. Presence, pointing to the, the joy of the presence, which is all about him. You, Lord, are my strength and shield. Leading seamlessly to the future. At your right hand, there will be, there are multiplied pleasures, plural word, pleasures forevermore. So verse 11 ends on the highest note possible. The opening petition is answered. The best is yet to come. Present rejoicing, permanent life and joy. And in today's vernacular, we would say, the Lord is saying to us, I'm all you need. I've got your back. I've got it covered. Roy Lesson, I don't know anything more about him than this, wrote a New Year's purpose that it was in my Bible and I found it for this sermon. Our New Year's purpose, purpose to seek him, he will always be your reward. Purpose to know him, he will always reveal himself to you. Purpose to follow him and he will always lead the way. Purpose to enjoy him, he will Always be your dearest friend. Purpose to praise him. He will always be the worthy one. Purpose to trust him. He will always be your faithful provider. Purpose to please him. He will always give you what is good. Purpose to be totally his. And he will always be totally yours. That's my wish, my prayer for you here at West Highland and for Lee and Cheryl, John and Andrea. God bless you together. Father, thank you for this wonderful time of worship today. Thank you that we could give honor to whom honor is due. Thank you that you have been with us, Lord, by your Spirit. And we thank you for the way the Spirit of God has blessed us through the Word, through testimony, through sharing, through so many aspects of this time of worship. We give you praise. And we ask now that you will bless the food to our bodies and our fellowship with the brew bakers. In Jesus' name, amen.